if I wasn't blind, this never would happen. I didn't go there. I went to all the things that were necessary to live in the reality I have. Mm. Reality doesn't need my agreement. It needs my acceptance. Formation Society of Arizona welcomes you to another season of our podcast, Taste and See. This time we're talking about contemplation into the silent land. Hey, welcome back everyone to another episode of Taste and See. This is a podcast of the Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona. My name is Gray Ewing. I am the co-host of this show, also the pastor at Ascension Church of Phoenix, and it is a delight to have you. And I want to let you know that we're in the middle of a conversation with this episode. So if you haven't heard part one, that's the previous episode that we've released. This is part two of our conversation with Michael. Michael has been sharing about his experience of blindness, losing both of his eyes, and what that has meant for his relationship with the Lord and grappling with many of the things that we've been talking about this season, about being in silence with the Lord. And so we pick up the conversation with more questions to Michael about his experience of blindness and where he's found the Lord and all of those things. Thanks for joining us. talking about that is like you're mentioning these others who have these struggles and some of their struggles were more emotional and you know addiction oriented or that kind of thing and you're saying even in in my blindness um i'm seeing this as well these limitations are almost taking away so that we can see more of what the lord's doing i've experienced <laughs> i i think they, for me a 12-step program would probably be addicted to all or nothing <laughs> And, and, and I mean that in, in the way of I can grab on to things and I have to experience the fullness of it and then I become bored and I have to walk away and then it's like out of sight, out of mind, no pun intended. Um, but the, uh, the, then there's the nothing and what do I grab on to next? And that hopscotch um, existence was tiring but it was the journey that the Lord and I took. Um, it was a hopscotch. In the midst of all things, it was, um, where are you, Lord, in all of this? And even, you know, where are you? Because I want to yell at you because I'm mad at you. I don't think the Lord has any problem with me being real with my emotion of anger, uh, confusion, fear, uh, I think the phrase from scripture that becomes more sort of, well, there's a bunch of different pieces of scripture. Um, But in the garden, God says to Adam, after after they've found themselves naked, he says, where are you? And we all know that Adam says, I was afraid, I was ashamed, I was naked. Later on in John's Gospel, when 
the baptizer says, there's the, the Lamb of God, the, 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 he who's going to take away the sin of the world. And Andrew and his, and his uh, companion, they start following Jesus. <laughs> and he's walking away. And Jesus just turns and he, he goes, what are you seeking? And these two benchmarks of where are you and what are you seeking uh, seem to be benchmarks that always seem to show up. It's where am I in relationship to the Lord and what am I seeking? And <laughs> Andrew immediately jumps to where are you staying? <laughs> and and like they don't even do anything other than where are you staying and come see. So what am I seeking? Where are you staying? Come see. I, I think that little bit of uh, the prayer word, I don't necessarily have a prayer word, but I, I see that montage in my head, and that's the come see. And it's the invitation to, yes, here's, here's where are you, and here's uh, what are you seeking? come see um, in the midst of the transition from fighting for sight and doing all the things um, when sight was finally gone that word come see um, phrase come see even takes on a different meaning you know, what am I seeking I hope that makes sense. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing all that. Thank you for joining us on the Taste and See podcast, a podcast of the Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona. Our vision for the Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona is to create space for leaders and learners to grow in deeping intimacy with God check out sfsaz.org for more information and resources and consider joining us at an upcoming event. Now back to the podcast. I'm not sure you said it before, Michael, but just for full context, you're um, right eye was removed? My right eye was removed in 2012. Um, I had battled trying to save it. I had six operations to try to, re oh to put the retina back on and it refused to go back on. Um, and they gave up on it and then it became calcified and the pain was just awful. And so they took it out. And one year to the day, my left eye, which was already being looked at for swelling, my left eye, um, the retina began to tear and then began a series of retinal tears and detachments and corneal problems. And uh, what it turned out was 1% of individuals who have an enucleation experience the body's autoimmune system thinking that the other eye is now a problem. So the immune system began attacking it, and mm. there was nothing they could do. Um, and it just fell apart like an old car. Um, and there was very little they could do. So 
Um, my pressures were very high, and they took the eye out November 7th. And so, um, is it a gift? Um, an odd thing compared to where I was? Uh, right after surgery, I, I felt so much better. Um, I, I just I didn't have this eye in that was uh, always just a nuisance, a struggle. Uh, pressures were always high. It was painful. Um, I felt free, and two days later, I, I really I, I, I felt completely free. Will you share the story about the coffee cup? <laughs> you haven't heard this great. I haven't. No. Michael shared this with me, and I I think it's it's a beautiful illustration of what this chapter is all about: of movement from victim, victim to, to witness. witness. Yeah. Um, so I was drinking a cup of tea without milk. <laughs> with Tony. So you like that cup of tea. <laughs> right. I really enjoyed that. It was Earl Grey. And Tony was having her cup of coffee and it was early morning and um, she said, okay, I'm going to go down. I'm going to check in for work and da 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 da. And I said, okay, I'll go do this. And, and, and I came back after doing that and um, I went to get my cup to put it in the sink. And I hit the handle it was empty, it broke on the floor, shattered, and Tony said, I'll be right there. And so Mrs. D came out, picked up all the big pieces, and vacuumed up the little ones, and, and she said, don't worry, Michael, I, you know, I break a cup probably once every couple months, so it's no big deal. And so I, I was grateful, and I, I sat down, and immediately I went over what I should be doing, which and, and should usually is not a word I like to use, but I knew that I need to work the table from the outside in. I need to be more intentional. I need to be more deliberate. I need to try to remember and put landmarks, and it would never have happened, and I need to go slowly. And I was rushing. But in that same moment of going through that checklist, I was... I was so grateful, kind of overcome with gratitude. I said, thank you, Lord. I didn't go to the place of, if I was blind, this it, it, because I'm blind, this happened. If I wasn't blind, this never would happen. I didn't go there. I went to all the things that were necessary to live in the reality I have. Reality doesn't need my agreement. It needs my acceptance. This experience, as other experiences in life, for all of us, really, when we come to the place of acceptance, we it seems to go easier. Um, so, yeah, that coffee story, uh, coffee mm -hmm. mug is um, even saying it again. Um, it's really such a great blessing because it's an answer to prayer, like the prayer of Lord, prepare me, help me, uh, let me do this. Let me do this your way well. And I, I don't want to put words in your mouth or trivialize this, but one of the major images of the book is you are the mountain, not the weather. Do you feel like part of your experience has been, it's not like my identity is that I'm blind. My blindness happens to be 
a reality of my circumstances. Is that... Oh, sure. And, and coming from behavioral health world, first person, you know, I, I, I'm Michael and I happen to be blind. You know, I'm Michael and I happen to have depression or whatever. We always want to separate the problem from the person. Um, and I believe in that. And I also, I'm not only the mountain, but it's Jesus that's the mountain. And with a mustard seed of faith, that mountain moves his way. It's not just static, it's dynamic. It will continuously move through each of the storms based on the simple fact of the promise of if you have the faith of a mustard seed, mm. it will, it will, you can move a mountain. Well, and you know, you said coming out of the mental health world, and I'm not, thank you, that, that addition of thinking about Jesus as the mountain and we're with him and all that. Um, uh, it's like all these metaphors that we use mm-hmm. are helpful to an extent, but none of them are ever complete. So we always have to kind of like patch a little bit onto it and add a little bit and shape it even more and more. Right. So it's, it's, it's helpful or just let it go as far as it can go. And we need other metaphors, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but in what you said about uh, the mental health world, and I am Michael, who happens to, um, how did you say it? Happens to be blind. Okay, happens to be blind. There, there's a sense in which sometimes it, it has felt like that sort of uh, language is about political correctness or something, you know. But what I hear in it is a reclamation of truest identity. Right? C- completely. Um, you, you know, we talk about true self, false self. Uh, it, it, so I, I, I have depression. So I am not depression. Um, I am not just blind. These are features. I'm blind. I have depression. For other individuals... There are individuals who have serious mental illnesses. So Jim, just make up a name, Jim happens to experience schizophrenia. People call him a schizophrenic. That puts a label on him denying him being able to move out of the box. And that, and that can be a distraction. Total from, distraction. From being in that deep place of silence with God. <sighs> And, and that that hits on the other one of the other uh, features of this, where he talks about, and this can get a little uh, confusing almost, but separating what is able to be aware of things, mm. f- right, from what you're being aware of, and right, and I feel like the way you're yeah. describing that is um, there is a true sense of self that is a deep place rooted in God, that is awareness. And it's aware that there may be these things, but those things are not identity. Mm-hmm. And it becomes huge distraction to that deep place of abiding when, when those things are not separated. So sometimes I, I think I read scripture with my shoes on the wrong feet. And, or my feet on the wrong shoes. No, (laughs) my shoes on the wrong feet. And I'm tripping over myself. The one thing that I know to be true 
is that when Jesus says, and Paul says, that there is work being done in you that will be completed, and he promises to complete that work, I must go and leave you the helper. The Holy Spirit comes. That justification part has already been taken care of by the cross. I'm now in the sanctification process, and that is to become more of the image and likeness of Jesus Christ before the Father. And in that place, my true identity is the trueness that was created in the image and likeness, uniquely and wonderfully made, uniquely and wonderfully knitted in my mother's womb. Whatever that piece is, which is the great mystery. The great mystery of how come you don't take certain things away from me, which Mrs. Donnelly, will, you know, she'll say, I've been praying for this to go away. It's never gone away. <laughs> and I go, I've been praying for it too. It's not gone away. And, and why does it stay? What's the thorn? Matter of fact, the author says <laughs> quite nicely, she says, Paul, with good sense, didn't tell everybody what the thorn was. Because we would concentrate on the thorn in Paul, not the fullness of Paul. There's a simplicity to this, and there's just a profoundness to this. that It's worth camping out on this, because I think that when I see even people later in life who've known the Lord for a long time, there's still a struggle, sometimes, sometimes even for this very reason. And I think he even says at one point in the chapters, it's when people realize the thing that their therapists have been trying to get them to see for years, right? <laughs> Which is that things that are or just are, and they're not necessarily you, and you to be able to identify them, right, and to say, this is what is. It's different from what I want it to be, but it is what it is. And that separation is so important. And we've, we've mentioned the phrase a couple of times. We're probably good just to mention it again and say exactly what we mean or what he means when he says, moving from victim to witness. And what, what I hear in him saying that is, I'm no longer this person who has these things that are just absolutely true of me. And everybody has those things. It could be an illness. It could be blindness. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. It could be a sense of a lack of self-worth. There are these maladies, right? And we experience these things, and then immediately we think that is what is, uh, if we can pr put that separation in, if we can say, what I'm doing now is I'm witnessing what God has brought into my life rather than this is now the commentary for my life. That separation is where so much growth happens, right? That's what, um, there's like a breakthrough to, to realize, oh, I am hungry when I, you know, when I speak that way, it's probably because I'm hungry or, when I feel so down, it's because I've, um, you know, I, I ran past a, a stoplight and that's the stoplight where I had a wreck and, you know, earlier in my life. And I didn't even realize that every time I go through that intersection, I get really depressed. There's almost a, a growth that happens in noticing. And that's what he means by witnessing. Like I'm giving witness to my life. There's, there's things that the Lord's bringing along and I can name those things. And in the silence, I can meet them. I, so I have an orientation mobility person who's as is visually impaired, and he's a wonderful human being, and and he tells me stories about eight year olds that he's teaching to cross the street, and these are children who were born without any sight. 
immediately what I began to realize was I'm not entitled to sight. I had the blessing of sight. These young eight-year-olds have this whole immersion or however old they are in a world in which they have never seen. And so as the author is talking about being able to give witness, the reality of the situation is what am I looking towards in my silent time or am I just allowing myself to be silent in the time? Do I take away looking for and allow myself just to experience silence? This is good stuff. It's good. Yeah. yeah. This has been a wonderful, profound conversation with you, Michael. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I, I, uh, th- there is such a simplicity to what we're continuing to talk about. And we started with that on, on, on part one. And I'm thinking now we're in part two of this episode. <laughs> Even though it's one big episode, we've cut in half. But we started with really that, that idea that there is a simplicity in this. And as you enter or as you walk through each doorway, as each riddle gets solved... Um, as you move from victim to witness, uh, the simplicity becomes more profound. And, uh, and that's, that's our prayer, that as we continue to practice things like centering prayer together, as we continue to read this book and finish it up, wherever we are in the journey of sitting with God in silence, encouragement is to remember that this is God's work. He's the one who is at work, and our invitation is to show up and notice. And uh, uh, so much of the the uh, depth is experienced as our noticers. That's not a word, is it? But <laughs> as our as our noticer, our noticing ability, our capacity um, grows, and that's so much of what we've been we've been talking about. Absolutely, he says it's not so much that. We're trying to avoid our attention being stolen, right? It's that it's that return you're mentioning. It's that return back to the practice where we meet the Lord and the Lord transforms us. We're thankful for you, Michael, for joining Thank us you. today for a double episode. And thanks for sharing your story so freely with us. Thank you for having me. I, uh, it's been a pleasure, an honor, and it's just so wonderful to see the Lord at work in all of us at all times. Well, friends, if you're in need of some resources, we have them on our website at the Spiritual Formation Society website. It's sfsaz.org where you can find articles, a spiritual director if you're looking for one, and information on our upcoming events, which we have throughout the year. So we'd love to meet you there. We'd love to also love to meet you at a Be Still event which we also hold every couple of months. And specifically, we're holding them around this book, Into the Silent Land, as those of you who are reading alongside us. You can also just show up, even if you don't have the book, right? You can just show up and try to experience some silence uh, together. Yeah, thanks for joining us again, and uh, we will see you soon.